Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the Hope for Today broadcast. I'm your host, Doran Wengerd, founder of Wengerd Ministries, where we are delivering hope to every heart. Now, again, if you feel called to partner with us, please text the word GIVE to 844-333-7227. I want to say thank you to all of our partners who are already doing that. Now, I've been teaching and preaching on grace lately, so I just want to remind you of something that God's grace is His never-ending power constantly directed toward us for good. The only way to walk in the works of Jesus is by grace through faith. Remember that. Now today I want to talk about what it looks like practically when we follow God's instructions and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I've titled the message today, Seeing God's Hand. Now most people limit God in one way or another but they've not really been willing to admit it or to see it that way. We're going to talk about seeing God's hand in your life and then believing for more. Now, many think that God is in total control and that everything that happens is His will. They really, they blame Him for everything while kind of having a negative theology that says that everything that happens must somehow or other be God's plan or or His purpose for their lives. Uh, I I talked more in depth about this in my earlier message called Testing of Your Faith. But just so there's no confusion, God does test our faith by asking us to believe His Word in order to make us victorious over the negative circumstances. He does not bring the negative events. I actually was just having a conversation with a friend of mine and he was talking about uh, a connection, an acquaintance of his, and he, just all the things that this guy was going through and And he said, I just had to think, God, how much can he take? (laughs) And and I'm thinking, God's not the one bringing it. Don't ask God that question. Ask God how to help him get out of it, how to help him to be victorious. But that's a message for another time. Today, I want to talk about the partnership that we have with God to produce supernatural results in the natural. You know, we might only be seeing our physical actions or the natural realm. But God is continually working in the natural and the supernatural realm for our good. I read the other day about Moses, and he was leading the children of Israel. And, you know, something hit me that had never really stuck out to me before. The people were complaining about being thirsty, and they were accusing Moses of taking them into the desert to die. Of course. So, I'd like to read Exodus 17, uh, verses 3 through 7. It says, And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the contention of the children of Israel, because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So, think of that. Notice, I, it's something I just hadn't noticed before, but... God said to Moses in verse 6, he said, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. You will strike the rock 
and water will come out for the people to drink. Did you notice this partnership? There's a supernatural event that happened, but it required the partnership of God and man. It required a combination of natural and supernatural actions. God was standing there. He promised, I will stand there on the rock before you. But if Moses would not have struck the rock, there would have been no water. And this again is a challenge. This is where the partnership that God wants to have with each one of us. This is how he provides for us. Even though none of the people could see him, God was actively providing for them. When we think only in natural terms, we are then only able to receive logical answers. God doesn't work naturally, and he defies logic, and really, so should we. If there are not unexplainable things in your life, I would say you're probably not walking fully in the power of God. How many how many times in the Bible do we find God's answers to people making logical sense? This is not to condemn you. This is to offer hope. This is to show you that there's more. There's always going to be more because God's involved and he asks us to believe for the supernatural. What about even just theological things like Naaman dipping in the Jordan River seven times? He didn't want to do it. In fact, he flatly refused until his servant said, why don't you just try it? Or what about Elisha making an axe head float just because the guy had borrowed it and and lost it? Or even Jesus feeding 5,000 men plus women and children with only five loaves and two fish. It could have been upwards of 15 to 20,000 people. We don't know the actual number, but isn't that illogical? And then they had 12 baskets left over. Or what about Jesus simply paying taxes with a coin from a fish's mouth? How logical is that? Think about this. Why did Jesus turn the water to wine at the wedding in Cana? Or why did the prophet Elisha tell the widow to pour oil out of a nearly empty jar? See, these are not logical things, but they required an action. They required something that changed from the natural to the supernatural. In every instance that comes to mind, I find the power of God working in conjunction with the faith and the actions of people. The answers that you need are waiting on you to believe the word of the Lord and to follow up by obeying what he has told you to do. You see, the supernatural power of God combined with our faith and obedience produces the goodness of God into our natural circumstances. This should literally change our natural and physical experience on a continual basis. The challenge I have for you is to recognize the power of God actively working for your good and then ask him for a word so that you can join your faith to it. This is where the partnership comes in. This combination is unstoppable and the kingdom of heaven will forcefully advance in your life. This is a promise. We are told in Proverbs 23, 7 that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the courage to believe requires true hope in the goodness of God. If you don't have that confident expectation, you can't truly produce the courage that you need. Greg Moore has said, courage is not the absence of fear, but really the willingness to confront your greatest fear. Hope is not wishful thinking, and I've talked about this before. It's a confident expectation in the desired outcome. It's truly knowing what's going to happen. Most people have not yet come to the place where they can 
see their desire with the eyes of their heart and then confidently expect to see it in the natural. Think of the, the names of people down through the ages of time. And, you know, they're remembered because they saw what others couldn't see. It was their confident expectation or their hope which gave them the willingness and the drive or really the courage to confront their greatest fear. And yes, I'm talking about men and women in the Bible, but even beyond that. What about Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Rahab, David, Esther, Mordecai, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Jesus, Peter, Stephen, Paul, St. Patrick, Martin Luther, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Amy Carmichael, George Mueller, Oral Roberts, Lester Summerall, Brother Andrew, Todd White, the list could go on. You realize this list has only a few of the great men and women of faith. Now, while you may not agree that these names should actually be on this list, or you may have names that you'd like to add, I think we can all agree that their expectation was based on something deeper than what their natural circumstances could support. I could go through and tell stories that I've heard of each one of these people. Most people are generally open to hearing about possibilities, but when the courage to act and the hope to believe are required of them, they retreat back into the prison of their own perception of limitations. When we have a perception of limitations, we will keep ourselves in that prison. It's all what you're willing to believe. This is why faith is required. Courage is only required when the most natural response that we could have is actually to fear. It's not required when there's no possibility of fear. It's only when fear rises up or the possibility to fear rises up that our opportunity of courage is there in front of us. Take courage. Don't fear. Refuse to fear. Do you remember Daniel's response when he was given the possibility of fear? I want you to listen to what he did at when the decree was made that if he prays to God for any reason, he will be thrown into a den of hungry lions. I actually want to read that in um, Daniel 6.10 because it is, it's amazing and it's encouraging to see that he didn't change. He didn't retreat back. He said, I'm going to do what I've always done. Listen to this. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, I think it's important that he knew that it was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks, to, uh, gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. That's amazing. He said, I'm not going to change. I'm going to do what I've always done. I know you've written it. Still doesn't, doesn't change it. I have courage. Isn't that something that encourages you to think, you know what, when I am given uh, a, a directive to retreat back, I'm going to stand and I'm going to say no. No, I have the courage to act. I have the courage to believe. Now, what about Peter when he stepped out of the boat? His heart was fixed. He was trusting in the Lord, obviously, because he walked on water. Everything supernatural was happening and was possible because he was fixed on the Lord. 
and his actions were in partnership with the faith and the word of the Lord. But when the wind and the waves brought the opportunity to fear, he responded to that. He feared, the fear overcame his trust, and this is when he began to sink. What a great example. I love it because he actually walked on water. I love it because he actually came into partnership with the power of God available to him. But then when he retreated back, we see what happened. The natural took over. We are not simply to walk alone in wishful thinking that somehow God might help us. Begging God, God, please help us. Our heart needs established in his goodness and his mercy. We must know that it is his will and his plan to always bless us as his children. This should not be a question in our hearts. Do you remember the confidence of David in Psalm 23? In verse 1, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. In verse 4, he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Isn't that amazing? In verse 6, he says, Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And really, if I could say it this way, the word surely, we could say, I am guaranteed that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I love that. And David was a man after God's own heart. So the only way that we can live in a confident expectation and then a willingness to act is if the question of God's goodness and his mercy are first of all settled in our hearts. We need to know this deeply. This is how grace and faith work together to produce the will of God manifesting in our lives. Don't be deceived by religion and tradition, but rather go to the Word of God and read it as if it's your first time. You will begin to see God's goodness and His mercy in a whole new light. Our lives and our natural experiences really go the way of our thoughts. If we want to change, we shouldn't pray that somebody um, will, will just give us what we need. Let's say we need finances. Just say, well, God, uh, just tell someone to give me what I need. Or take the money from someone who has it and give it to those who don't. What a foolish way to live. We should operate in the kingdom of God. That's not our answer. Our answer is to renew our minds. See, God is our provider. And in the kingdom, he uses kingdom law, kingdom principles to produce for his children. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen to that. We need to transform our wrong thinking, because the way that we think in our hearts will direct the course of our lives. We need to change ourselves or our thinking, our mindsets, if we want to take the limits off of God. See, the limits on God happen in our own hearts, in our own minds. Remember, you have a sphere of influence. Everyone has a sphere of influence. God wants to do absolutely miraculous things in everyone's life, in your life. God has never made an inferior person. We all have something that God wants us to accomplish. He wants to accomplish it actually through us. But most of us are really ignorant of this, and we've lived our lives not being aware of it. Most people have bought into the lie that there's really nothing special about themselves personally. However, the truth is that all people are special 
and we are all created to represent God's heart to others. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, and to give you a future and a hope. See, God's goodness is available to us if we'll reach out and take it. God has good thoughts toward each one of us. He has a perfect plan for our lives. We all have a sphere of influence or people that we can reach. These are people who, they know us, they're watching us. They might be your family members, your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers. We need to rise up and let God use us to touch these people and to help us reach our full potential. If, if I would ask how many, many people are called to be leaders, there would be, probably most people would say, well, they're not sure that that includes them. But every person is called to be a leader. See, leadership is defined as influence, by some people, just influence over people. But how about this? Leadership is service. When you serve, you then also have influence, but it's influence by servanthood. Every person is called to serve others. Every person is called to be a leader by serving. It could be your kids, it could be your neighbors, your friends. When you do that and you operate according to the word of God in your life, you are then the agent that begins to bring supernatural change into their lives, especially if you're operating by faith and listening to the Word of God. Some people have more influence than others. They have more, uh, I guess, opportunities to serve, but I'm telling you, every person is called to influence others. God made everyone to be a leader. This can vary according to your specific calling, but if you have Almighty God living inside of you, you are unlimited in doing His work. See, this is where the limitation that people have put on themselves is because they don't truly believe in their heart that the, the fullness of the power of God is at work and living inside of them. But when you know that, when you believe it, you are able to take the limits off of God. God doesn't just sovereignly make everything work. God has called you to do something beyond yourself. When you ask him for a word, and then you operate by faith, believing that word. What I'm talking about here is your identity. Everything changed for me when I heard God say that he had called me to give hope and to awaken the greatness in others. When I am who God calls me, then he is able to be himself in me. He is able to reach out and touch people and to serve people. No one has ever exhausted God's ability, God's resources, or His power for their lives. All of us have missed God at some point in our lives, and none of us are believing God as we should or doing everything that we are supposed to be doing. That's okay. God knows that, but He asks us to continually grow, continually asking Him for more. So be encouraged that you are in a process and you're growing in becoming just like your Father, God. Thanks so much for joining me again today. I am praying that you see the hand of God in your life and that you have the courage to speak to the rock if that's what he says to do. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. <music>